What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Frame Skip Podcast. It's a mono a mono episode this week. It's between yours truly and George the Hitman Loftus. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Is that a video game thing? Is that a wrestling thing? What kind of Hitman energy am I bringing to the podcast today? I don't so? know. I just, I feel, I feel, I feel lots of assassin vibes from you. You're going to, sl- I don't know. You're going to kill it. I'm like an assassin if an assassin lived in a tiny home and only ate granola. My hair is like down past my shoulders right now. But that, No, that's what you want us to think. Okay, it's just a really elaborate wig I got going on. Yeah. You're actually in the apartment next to me. Yeah, that's right. Better sleep with one eye open, Seth. How are you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I took some swings career-wise. I don't want to mention uh, who I applied to work for, but uh, I have scheduled interviews with some really, really cool companies, so I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, really looking forward to this week. I hope I don't screw it up. That's awesome. And yeah, I saw that you said that uh, you got the interview and I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. So congratulations, especially because I saw the job listing on Twitter on New Year's Eve and I drunkenly applied on New Year's Eve writing like a cover letter. And uh, I kept joking like, well, I haven't gotten a rejection letter from them. And like normally there's like so many bots that go through people's uh, applications these days and cover letters and stuff that like you're kind of decided that you don't get the job before any human being actually looks at it. So I kept joking right. like, Oh, well I haven't gotten the rejection letter yet. Uh, that's a good sign. And then finally I got an email asking to schedule the interview for, for later this week. So I am over the moon excited about that. So like, did you have like a good reference in there or is there just, is, was it just like your credentials you think that got you in? I think it was just credentials. I think it was just me sort of taking a, a shot for it. I wrote a personal cover letter just trying to explain why I think I'm a good fit for this company. And uh, God, I hope I get it so I can I can tell the whole story. But that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Man, I think I just put myself out there in a in a vulnerable but uh, confident way. And I think uh, I got lucky. Yeah, they probably looked at your cover letter and they're like, we like this guy's vulnerability and his confidence. This guy seems like a big old babby who cries a lot. Let's bring him in. Let's make him better. Let's fix him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anything else going on this week? Or My dog got neutered and I feel horrible about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a My, little messed up. Yeah. Sweet little man tuna wearing a cone. Yep. Not eating very much. And I had, I had like held him the entire drive home. It's like a 45 <laughs> minute drive from the vet to, to my house. And. My left arm got tired, then I, I took the wheel with my knees and then very, very gently shuffled him onto my right arm. And I was just like swinging him back and forth <laughs> the entire drive home. I felt so bad. And he I just like looked at him, saw his like little incision. I started like crying. I'm like, why did I deprive the world from more tunas? That seems ridiculous. Who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, it's a it's a necessity, but it is a little messed up if you like you really think about it. Because oh you're just like, worst, oh, you know. Yeah. We're just going to chop your nuts off. Yeah. Hey, one thing we don't want you doing is uh, screwing around, Tuna. Yeah. So you been playing anything this week, George? I have been playing Deep Rock Galactic, which was the PlayStation Plus game from January. And I jumped on it with the same group of friends I talked about before, the people who I have been playing uh, Zombie Army 4 with. And this game is a lot of fun. It's basically, I think it's procedurally generated. 
that you play as a dwarf. There's four different classes and you are dropped into a different mine situation and you have to get X amount of one type of mineral. There's always a, a secondary objective where you have to get Y amount of another type of mineral. And there's these giant spiders and prehistoric creatures that just attack you from all angles. And it is an absolute blast to play. Is it, you said you were playing it with friends? Yeah, I'm playing it with three people from San Francisco and Fabio, who's been on the podcast before. And it's, uh, we're each playing as a different class. We're, you know, got our headsets strapped in, trying our best to communicate. But it's amazing how quickly we got sucked into this game and just started, like, we have a text thread. And we just know everything about the game so far. I mean, we don't know how to play it very well, but uh, all the materials in the game were like, oh, man, I'm, you know what, I, I'm thirsting for some red sugar, which is like <laughs> the health in the game. It's like back to the Morkite. Am I right, boys? And we just adopted everything about this game so quickly. In fact, after this podcast, I think I'm going to head back to the mines, get a couple shifts in. Attaboy. We like to hear. Yeah. Anything else? No, that's pretty much it. I've been bringing my Switch to bed with me every night. I'm like, tonight I'm going to play Shining Diamond. Tonight's going to be the night. It's going to be awesome. And then I just throw on Seinfeld and don't give a crap about Pokemon whatsoever. Dude, Um, so that's what I've been doing lately, like the last two days. Let me tell you what, man. The Game Pass app for your phone is, like, incredible. Yeah. And I never, like, a year ago, I didn't think I'd be saying that, but Basically, all I do is I have my Razer Kishi and I plug it into my phone and I you can open the Game Pass app and you can cloud game almost all the games on the Game Pass app. So, like, I'm playing, like, the full Xbox version of Dragon Quest Eleven on my phone, which is, like, a perfect game for that because it's, like, a, you know, a 200-hour RPG. Right. But I can just play it in chunks on my phone whenever I want. And that's been awesome. I mean, there's there's, like, Skyrim on there. There's everything but it's right there on your phone you can play it whenever i mean as long as you have a stable connection you don't even need wi-fi you can play it over 4g so it's like it's like yeah it's insane and the xbox app it has the lowest amount of input lag that i've ever seen for a streaming service so like you know how like usually it's tolerable but there's a little bit of input lag you can notice Mm -hmm. There's been several times when I've been using this that I haven't even noticed any input lag. And in fact, I was able to play the Halo Infinite multiplayer um, extremely competitively through this streaming service. I was going to ask if you touched that yet. Okay, so like it is extremely competent. This isn't online. This is next gen. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking about it, man. And I was like, man, I wonder if this was their plan the whole time. Like from the get go, and this was going to be like the new standard way that you're going to play games, maybe in like five years or so. And having consoles or hardware is going to be like the premium experience because now, for you know, whatever it is, $15 a month for Game Pass, anybody can play Xbox games. You know, anybody can play any of the new Xbox exclusives, anybody can play any of the Bethesda games. And that is like a really crazy thought that like you no longer need an Xbox console or a PC or, you know, any of that stuff. So <clears throat> that's what I've been getting into. Like I've, I've been playing Forza on it and my, my phone is so big that I would say it's almost the size of the switch screen. Okay. So it's like, and you're, it's crazy. You're playing, uh, you're playing on Android, right? Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been messing with that and it's nice on your PC too, 
because obviously in your PC you get a bigger screen, but also because you don't have to have the storage space for it. You know, these games these days take up upwards of 100 gigs, and now you can just click the cloud gaming and go right into it. <clears throat> One thing I will say, though, is especially in your PC when it's bigger and blown up, you are going to have a little bit of like, I believe the, the term is artifacting. It's not as clear a picture as you would get if you're running it natively, of course, but it's competent enough that it's not going to cause you any problems for the most part. But yeah, that's pretty much driving into. I've, I've been playing Skyrim a lot because I wanted something meaty to go back into. Um, I was getting kind of a gaming drought there for a bit, and Skyrim. I forgot how good Bethesda's world building is. It's a it's a shame their games just don't work because they are really good at crafting worlds, and they have like this elaborate long form story they've been telling for the last five games and it's funny i remember like a couple weeks ago bethesda posted a tweet about starfield like oh what are you most excited for starfield i think i I think i tweeted back something witty it was like for the unofficial patch to come out that's 200 gigs to fix all the problems you guys didn't fix in your game whoa got (laughs) him dude it's it's ridiculous like starfield's not gonna work it's gonna be a mess just like all the other uh, because the games are at launch. And the, my reasoning behind that is because they recently came out and they're like, you can't climb ladders in the game, which is a big thing. Someone asked if they can climb ladders because you haven't been able to climb ladders in any Bethesda games ever. And, yeah. yeah. And in Starfield, you still can't climb ladders because for some reason, their engine, they just can't figure out how to make you climb a ladder, which is like absurd. <laughs> yeah, that's a little a little like 1994 of you to, to not have that in place. But even then you're climbing some ladders in 94. So I really don't know what the excuse yeah. is. I don't know, man. Um, I just think it's like absurd that Bethesda is allowed and everyone just kind of looks past it for the most part. Bethesda is allowed to rely on modders to fix their games. What's even more amazing is that game came out nine years ago, right? or 11 yeah. years ago now in 2022, 11 years this this November, and they still haven't, like, addressed it themselves, right? Like, there's still so many issues with that game. It's been re-released on every console imaginable. <clears throat> and it's, like, the amount of things you still can't do in that game. Like, I was just thinking about, like, the last big DLC was Dragonborn DLC, and that came out in mm-hmm. 2012, right? Like, the, the year later, maybe 2013 at the latest. Yes. And it's like, for um, how many copies this game is sold? Like, how have you not made even, like, a little bit of new content? You just, like, repackage the game for PS4, Xbox One, and now PS5 and Series X. Like, how have they not done anything to, like, give me faith in in any new first-person RPG they're doing? Because the modders take care of it. And that's what I think is, like, not okay. Yeah, it, it says... There's no number. I thought I saw a number before, but it says it's got hundreds of bug fixes in the unofficial patch. And it's like, no other company, I don't think, could get away with that. But for some reason, Bethesda, it's like the, the accepted standard that when their game comes out, you have to download the unofficial patch along with it. Because that the modders fix all of the problems that they left in the game. Which is pretty amazing, because there's like no difference... Really, like I, I love Skyrim. It's like one of my favorite games of all time. But like, if you think about it, there's like 
it, it always got the pass because it's just like, oh, the ambition of Bethesda. Like, that's what excuses this poor performance. It's like, all right, but like Witcher 3 was like just as ambitious, you know, and it ran right. flawlessly since like day one. I think there was like a 500 gigabyte. Yeah, wow. 500 megabyte patch on day one when I like pre-ordered the digital copy. The Assassin's Creed game, same thing, you know, like yeah. Origins, Odyssey, and now Valhalla. Like those games are just as ambitious in scope and scale as as guy as Skyrim ever was. Except like the combat like works, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't yep. doesn't feel like you're just like swinging a sword at air when you're attacking someone. So it's I, like I don't know how much longer they can like sort of like rest on their laurels. And again, like how have they not had a, a single new expansion? How do they not come up with a new expansion for like releasing it to game pass? Well, so they came out with the anniversary edition and a few years ago, they released the creation club, which was like paid mods for people to make. And they're like really high quality and they're passed through Bethesda to make sure that they're lore friendly and whatnot. And there's, they're like houses and like quests and, and you know, different items so there's that that came in in the game and then also the anniversary edition they released fishing you can fish now which that seems like a really weird thing to add add in 10 years later but yeah um yeah i don't know man i think it's time like stop stop with this game elder scroll 6 is coming out seemingly within the next five years probably so (laughs) let's let's be real yeah yeah well i mean you know like starfield is coming out Probably in the next year or two, and I imagine it's going to be a year or two after that for Elder Scrolls Six. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just I'm having fun with the Elder Scrolls, um, and they were also announced and released. I don't know since but since the last DLC for Skyrim, um, the Elder Scrolls Online, and that's fine. Yes, it was fine. I, every time I jump into it, I'm like, okay, this isn't the same game. It's not the same experience at all. No, it's not. And I, I really want it to be. I like I bought every expansion through like elsewhere and I like barely touched any of them. But because it was like Elder Scrolls, I'm like, well, no, I got to be there. I got to check it out. Then I play it for an hour. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I don't like this game. Yeah. Speaking of ambition, um, what did you think of the Dying Light news that dropped this week? I thought it was weird how little was going on that people found a reason to either be upset or tell me that my game developer sucks compared to these guys because of the news that dropped. <laughs> right. Like that was yeah. like the, the entire reaction was like, Oh, it takes 500 hours to like to a hundred percent this game. And everyone like my immediate thought was like, Oh, that's too much. I'm not putting 500 hours into any game ever. And then other people were like, Oh, that's such a tremendous value. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get that. Like I remember being in high school and not only having enough money for one game at a time. But then it's revealed. It's like, oh, no, that's like for every different choice, for every dialogue option, for all this. It's like, okay, well, that's really stretching what 100% means. I understand why you felt comfortable saying that. But at the same time, like, come on, don't like you. You know how to talk to people and you you chose to be confusing when you talk to people. Yeah, I thought it was weird, like the outrage towards it, because like. Yes, that is a huge number but it's also like a massively open world rpg sort of like we we were talking about earlier with like skyrim or you know fallout and i'm sure if you measured out 100 percent of doing literally everything in those games that would come out to probably over 500 hours you know yeah at least i 
I put 250 hours into Skyrim on my 360, and that's like not including like the hundred hours I put into it on PS3. Yeah, you know, or like the other hundreds of hours that I put into it on PS4, and I played it differently every single time. You know, yeah. so it's like if you if you really want to get down to like the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of it, it's like. Oh, uh, yeah, it would take 13,000 hours to do everything that Skyrim has to offer in yeah. every possible variation. It's like, oh, well, that's that's different. That's not really what we were talking about. And I also saw a lot of games journalists complaining about it. And I'm like, are you complaining about this because you actually don't like it? Or are you complaining about this because that's going to make your job so much harder to review? You know, I, I feel like I would be pretty annoyed if I was a games journalist. I had to review Dying Light 2 and I saw that it was hey this is a 500 hour long game I'd probably well be that like, or like you know you do review it and like i've i i know game reviewers like they're they really care about their job and like mm-hmm. i trust the ones i've met anyway and it's like they're just gonna say like okay yeah i played 70 hours of dying light 2 and then some little snob is gonna come up it's like oh so you mean you played less than 20 percent of the game and it's like <laughs> dude shut up you little twerp like <laughs> rolled credits on this come on now <laughs> i rolled credits yeah so yeah i don't know man um i did want to talk about square enix's ridiculous statement they released a couple weeks ago though with the nfts and how they want to start adding nfts into the game and george i can't take it anymore i can't take this anymore yeah we're what you like this is a clown universe we live in i feel like i'm like in the elseworld with these nfts and i can't take it anymore they batman's a vampire yeah yeah (laughs) they literally don't it's no different than a dlc because like people are like oh well you own it but you don't you don't own it you don't own the ip you can't do anything with this like this is just a piece of dlc with your name on it. Well, and that it's copied and, a thousand times. It gets so much more annoying than that. Like, I understand <laughs> that, like, a, a Final Fantasy is, like, your gateway drug into this. But, like, in the past couple of days, like, Mike Shinoda, like, the surviving dude from oh, Linkin yeah. Park, has, like, come out and, like, tried to pitch NFTs as, like, this game-changing, life-saving things. It's like, well, that's actually... Yeah, that's not true. What you're saying isn't <laughs> true all. in that tweet. <laughs> And then, like, Matt Damon has, like, that Crypto.com commercial where he's talking about the future and if you want to be a part of it from the beginning or not. It's like, shut up, Matt Damon. And then, like, Reese Witherspoon today was talking about, like, avatars and digital presence and how you need, like, a crypto wallet to navigate this this future we're heading into. And it's just like, when did the future show up and be so Sorry, Austin, I'll send you a note. But like, <laughs> what, like, when did like, why did the future happen so quickly? And why did it happen so incorrectly? Like, it's this weird. isn't what anyone wanted. This no. isn't what anyone wanted. <laughs> no, and we still don't. People are like, like, pretty much unanimously like, hey, we don't want any of this. And it's really weird, dude. I'm not like, saying, I'm saying, okay, maybe I am saying there's conspiracy behind it. But why are all these high profile celebrities coming together and being like, you guys need to invest in NFTs right now. It's like, when did I start caring about Matt Damon from a financial advice or Mike yeah. Shinoda? It's really strange. Or Reese Witherspoon. And it like really doesn't feel that different than like Tom Selleck trying to sell me on a reverse, like a reverse mortgage. Like it really doesn't feel like that different. Yeah. Except like if it somehow feels like as stupid and more stupid at the same time. Like, I don't understand it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to Matt Damon for financial advice. I'm just <laughs> not like the dude gets paid $19 million 
to fart in front of a camera in some movie like like that's we have very different lifestyles okay we have very different priorities we have very very different financial goals you want to build a condo in a crater on the moon like that's nice man good for you i want to pay for heating because it's four degrees in maine like we have (laughs) wildly different ambitions for what we're trying to do today and it was really disheartening because one thing i've always seen time and time again about final fantasy 14 in particular to bring it back was how great the community was and how they felt like really respected and really admired by like the the developers and how like they've actually had like a dialogue that goes back and forth, you know, where like, oh, we think this should be changed. And then it's changed in a way that maybe isn't one to one for what the community wanted, but at least is like more in touch with like a game and more of a compromise. And then this just doesn't seem like a compromise at all. This seems like a cash grab, a cash grab that is like failed notoriously with everyone else who's tried it so far. And I feel like everyone is doing it because they're like, we're going to be the ones to do it right. It's like, yeah, you think Ubisoft wasn't paying out the ass to make sure they did it right? No, of course they did. Of course they were. And now you're just going to have these people who are just like complaining on Twitter about like their apes getting stolen. And it's like, great, you're going to be part of that conversation now. Congratulations. Dude, I saw that guy paid like $30,000 to get one of his apes back. Man, if you can... <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? What is this? But I, I want to pin the Final Fantasy and Square Enix conversation, and I want to circle back to that in a second. And I really just want to hammer that, like, no one wants these NFTs, man. No one wants the system. I am a huge believer in cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. I think all the other ones, like, there's really one cryptocurrency, and all the other ones are, like, people trying to make a quick buck. I, I, I really like the decentralized nature of it. I think that it's a great idea to get like I mean, okay yeah, like sorry i guess the decentralized nature but like doesn't everyone have to cash out their bitcoin at some point to get dollars and isn't that yes antithetical right now, to the decentralized point right now you do but more and more places are starting to adopt it as like straight payment i think that's when you're gonna see bitcoin jump up but that's kind of irrelevant but because what i posted on twitter like months ago was NFTs make cryptocurrency look like a giant joke. And that's what bothers me most about it is like somehow NFTs got looped into the cryptocurrency talk. I understand it's because of the blockchain, but it's like you have this idea that can be taken very seriously. And now you're selling pictures of monkeys as avatars and and claiming it's part of that. And it's like, "Mm, this is this really is, is stupid. You're claiming like, oh, no, this is the one digital picture of this monkey and no one can copy it. And I love when people say that because then everyone copies it and replies their comment with a copy of it. I guess I just <sighs> understand because like when, when NFTs started, I was like, OK, so there's going to be someone who owns like the Mona Lisa. Right. And that's always going to be like at the Louvre, probably. Yeah. And then there's going to be someone who like actually owns like the digital rights to the Mona Lisa. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then we just sidestepped, I don't know, what, 80,000 years of human art, I guess, right? Like going back to like cave paintings we found. We just, we just skipped all of that. And instead, we just drew the same monkey wearing different tank tops yeah. with like weird tie dye backgrounds. And it's like, okay, this is actually like what all the like electrical output that, like rivals Argentina, like that. This is what we're getting is it, just like minted copies of the crappy monkey from Wild Thornberries wearing like 
oh, this one's got a pink tank. To, oh, this one's a Raptors fan. Like, are you kidding me? This is what we're doing with all this technology, with all this power, all this ingenuity. The smartest people in the world 60 years ago worked at NASA and put someone on the moon. But the smartest people today are doing NFTs of goddamn monkeys. Like, are you serious? This is how we're doing it. Uh, See, but like, you know what is like really crazy to me? What really worries me, George, is the fact that like anything has value as long as people believe that there's value to it, right? That's the only reason our dollar works is because people believe that there's value to it. And the like, if enough people are convinced that these stupid monkey pitchers or these DLCs for these games have value, then they do. And that is like, and you see like the celebrities touting it. And I'm like, God, I hope people just do not start buying into this. Because right now, like, there's a, it's such a small market of people that are buying NFTs. And I think yeah. it's starting to dwindle off. I think it was like a little bit of a surge for a little bit and starting to dwindle off. But my, my real question is, is would this have happened if the pandemic didn't happen? Like people are just like inside and bored and like out of their minds right now. You know, it's so, like they're just looking yeah, to get involved know. in anything. So like if the pandemic didn't happen, would people still give a crap about JPEG monkeys? Like, I, I don't know. Who's to say? Probably not as much. I just don't know if I've seen a more unanimously hated thing from the video game community. And there's like a very tiny, tiny amount of people that like support it. And pretty much the rest of the whole gaming community is like, no, this sucks. This is stupid. You know, and I just don't know where these companies are thinking like, hey, you know what? This is a great idea. Like Ubisoft got absolutely crushed with this NFT thing. I don't think I think like I saw they sold like 2% or something of like their NFTs and no one bought them. So. Well, to me. Know. To me, it's kind of like uh, when when you're arguing one way or another about any president we've had in, oh, let's say just like the last five years. And everyone's just like, well, the economy sucks. It's like, well, the stock market's doing really well. It's like, dude, I don't have any stocks. I don't give a crap about the stock market. All I know is like, <laughs> you know, milk costs $6 a gallon in San Francisco. Like, that's kind of my concern right now. It's great that like futures are doing better on pork prices. Congratulations. But it's getting so freaking expensive for me to just take the bus from A to B. I don't give a crap that the stock market's doing well. I don't give a crap that like that monkey's worth $30,000. I don't have $30,000 to spend on a JPEG of a monkey. Like what difference does it make? Oh, this armor that's available in Final Fantasy 14. Oh, it's 10 grand, but like only you own. It's like, okay, great. It's 10 grand. (laughs) So yeah, let's, let's talk about the Final Fantasy thing because you're absolutely right. Like, that was the big selling point with Final Fantasy 14 and Square Enix. Like the Final Fantasy 14 community was like, "Yo, Square listens to us, Yoshi P listens to us." And everybody loved that. It was a very positive, welcoming community. Everyone was happy. And then like of course, just like I said before, this they drop this NFT news and everyone's like, "Yeah, this sucks." And I don't think as of now, Square Enix has made any statement about like the massive a backlash but to be fair i don't now i didn't read the whole statement about the nfts i just saw that it's hard to when your eyes roll out of your head exactly after after three sentences yeah i i completely glazed over when once i saw they were talking about nfts and i was like oh my god but yeah that's what really sucks is like the final fantasy 14 community in particular 
is super positive and they, they love the developers, but I don't think they're the ones that made this call. It's the overarching, like top executives at Square Enix. Cause they're the ones that always screw everything up. Right. So like you look back for the last 20 years, Square Enix has made almost nothing but bad moves. They, they were like a beloved company in the nineties, early two thousands. Cause of final fantasy and their RPGs. Okay, and then sorry. Somewhere... You, know, you know, this better than I do. Was it Square or Enix that was beloved? It was both of them. Both of them. Okay. Yes. And it was and to about the 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 problem started occurring about exactly when they merged. And I don't know exactly the internals of like who stayed and who left and whatnot, but almost immediately when Square Enix comes together, we start having development issues on Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy 13 was supposed to be a PS2 game. And it got so messed up in development and delayed over and over again that it eventually came out in like the middle of the PS3 era, I think. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I remember getting that the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college, so like yeah. 2010 to 2011. Yeah. Um and then you have things like the three Final Fantasy 13 games that almost no one wanted. I did because I like Final Fantasy 13 characters, but no one else wanted them, right? Um, you get things like the original Final Fantasy 14. You get things like Versus 13 being delayed a decade. And it's just like, what happened to this company? But it's always the top executives like ruining things. And then you got like someone like Yoshi P coming up and just completely fixing Final Fantasy 14. And, you know, he's like the only guy at Square Enix I know right now that people are like, wow, this guy's awesome. Even even some of the, the old school executives like. Um, God, who's the guy who does Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 7? One second here. He's like super famous. Katsuya Nomura. Katsuya Nomura is like a Final Fantasy OG. And everyone's like, you got to stop Tetsuya Nomura. We got we to gotta stop him, right? Because he absolutely ruined the Kingdom Hearts series. And now, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out. And did you play it? The remake? No. Yeah. Um, questionable story choices. Extremely questionable story choices. Um, did you play the original Final Fantasy VII at all? couple hours. I, I I just have a hard time getting into JRPGs in general. I just think they're paced really slow and I usually fall asleep when I play them. <laughs> That's, There's um, like a lot of a lot of text reading. It's like usually really yeah. small. I'm usually playing on like my PSP. Oh, dude. and uh, I just I didn't grow up with it. So like I have like no nostalgia factor. So it's like, is this would this have meant more to seven year old George when it came out on PlayStation? A hundred and ten thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. But 22 year old George, 20. They're now 31-year-old George, just like playing these games. I'm like, yeah, I could do this, or I could smoke a plant and play some Call of Duty. That sounds like a pretty <laughs> pretty good use of 25 minutes to me also. Um, it's funny you bring that up, because one of the games that I love most from Square is Xenogears. It's this awesome like mashup of a classic JRPG with like mobile suits and um, this really intense deep story right Mm -hmm. but it has no setting to speed the text up and 
no way so like in most rpgs you can like press x a second time and the whole text box will appear and you can just read it oh it's my favorite thing ever yeah yeah and xenogears there's no way to do that so the text just goes across slowly and i remember playing that it was after high school i went back and played it and i remember sitting in my computer chair spinning around in circles <laughs> like just like just bored, just bored <laughs> out of my mind waiting for these this text to all come through and play through it but that game absolutely changed the whole way i look about religion and science and it, it had like an extremely profound impact on my entire worldview and you don't get that kind of thing anymore I, I find and I wasn't a kid when I played that I was like 19 or 20 years old and it completely changed the way I look at like all of science and religion and honestly like a lot of the Xeno series does that because I don't know if you know this Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga and Xeno Blade are all linked not story-wise but like thematically okay so Xeno Gears, and I know I'm rambling, I'm sorry. That's but, fine. Um, Gears is actually, it's, they did a Star Wars thing. It's actually episode four of six. And they were supposed to go back and do the rest of them, but Square Enix dropped the license. Bandai picked it up, made Xeno Saga, and they recreated episodes one through three. And then I think they dropped the license as well. I'm not sure why. And then Nintendo picked it up. But Man, everyone's playing Hot Potato with the Xeno license. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. We're talking well, about- we were talking about Square making perpetually wrong decisions over yes. the years. They should not have made the wrong decision to drop Xenogears. That was a terrible decision. My favorite thing, like the uh, the amount of drama that happened over Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, like the animated movie. Oh yeah, that was the I forgot. I always forget they made that movie. It's such a weird thing. It's it's a super weird movie. I'm really glad it exists. Like I think it, I've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. I love everything from like 98 to like 2002. Like that Y2K era optimism is like just in my sweet spot. And man, that movie is just like a living testament to that exact period. And I remember them talking about like, oh, this like it, he the dude saw the future where he was just like, we're going to have technology so advanced that we're going to be able to create actors and make them more famous than real people. And that was like, he called his shot. It it was wrong with the movie (laughs) he made, but he was not wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, the weird thing about that is I think it would have been a lot more successful if they hadn't used the final fantasy name, because you had kids like me who were like, yo, this is a final fantasy movie. Sign me up. And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Especially like right after the Pokemon movie, right? Yeah. You're just like, okay, here it is, baby. Japan's about to take over. Well, that and I remember being really confused because I hadn't like I I played some Final Fantasy at friends houses, but I was never like super familiar with it. But I remember like going to the movie and I was just like waiting for swords to show up. Like I was like (laughs) waiting for like monsters and like summons to show up. And I was like, I think these are summons like the bad guys. But they just had like guns and like a weird Gary Sinise doing doing the voice. I don't know. Weird now, weird movie in, in hindsight. Now, have you played any of like the more modern like action type Final Fantasy games? I love Final Fantasy 15. I think that one's super fun. Super weird, but I I kind of like that. Like that feels like it's got enough like Dreamcast throwback vibes like between the cooking and the fishing and just like hanging out with your boys. 
I really do dig that. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, is like a pretty good indication of what Final Fantasy 16 is going to feel like. Because it feels just like an evolution of Final Fantasy 15's combat system. Like it, it feels just like it, except like a little bit more intuitive and, and contextually makes more sense to me. The thing I'm really excited for with Final Fantasy 16 is the main character is a red mage, which is a class that's not very represented in Final Fantasy very often. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be really, really cool. Because if you don't know, a red mage is like a half magic, half melee character. Right. But he's not like a master of either of those traits. He he switches back and forth. Oh, I know. I've got a red mage in my Final Fantasy 3 game. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were playing the original made someone do that that game's incredible by the way that game that game did more to get me excited about final fantasy than almost any other game i've played so wait so i'm I'm super confused man so you're a big fan of like the the final fantasy one through three right uh i i'd say specifically three yeah okay but you're not a fan you said like the the other final fantasy games have too much text I've tried to play four, couldn't get through four. I blame that. I was playing the DS version, and I just like don't really like the the chibi style graphics. Mm. And they're a little prettier on the PSP than on the DS. So that's why I was able to get through Final Fantasy three. I think I'm like three quarters way through that game. I really should go back and finish it, but other stuff came up. You know how it is. Yeah. So four got boring to me. I never had like anything to play Final Fantasy six on. That game's like still not really available anywhere. I've heard that's like the best one. Like the original American three. Most people six. love six. I haven't I haven't gotten through it. Seven, I think, is boring. I'm a couple hours into eight, and it's like the same thing where it is just like, you know, pre-millennium vibe. So I'm I was really digging eight. Uh, but I, I got stuck at a boss fight somewhere and I just didn't go back to it. Was it you that was playing it last week and I was like, oof. No, it was Elijah. I, Elijah just started playing and he got really excited. And I was like, where was all this fanfare when this guy started playing it? No one cared who I was until I played Final Fantasy VIII, Elijah. So, are you ever going to go back and play Final Fantasy VIII? I want to. Uh, my my girlfriend just got back from visiting family in PA, and so we've been isolating because she went out to a bunch of restaurants, and we have mm-hmm. a bunch of like kids and old people in our lives. So we're we're isolating. We're like wearing masks around each other and stuff. And I am in the guest room because she was gone for a while. I'm like, oh, you probably want to sleep like in your bed here. You, have, you can have the main room. So I'm in the guest room, and I've got a PlayStation Four in there. Oh yeah. So I might I might dig it up. I normally just watch Seinfeld, like I said earlier, but uh, that one's on the list. And a short hike is another game on the list that I really want to check out. Mostly because I've I've heard you can be that game in like an hour and a half, which sounds fantastic. I would say it depends on like what you're looking for because Final Fantasy VIII is weird, man. Like I wasn't joking last night or last week when I said the fans have made a fan theory just to make the second half of that game make sense. And it, I'm, st- I, I, I'm and still in the first half. Yeah. Like, I'm still like global peacekeeper, UN, whatever soldier you are. Yeah. I like, can't seems cool. spoil it. I can't, I can't tell you what that, that theory is without spoiling it. But the second half of that game is completely bonkers. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the second half of Final Fantasy 15. That makes no sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you're just like, oh, this is a sweet game about like camping and hanging out and like friendship with your buddies. And now we're on a train and I've lost all my power and somehow I'm in the future and I'm in a dream sequence and none of this makes any sense at all. Yeah, that part kind of lost me. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what happened to us just like cruising around, you know, yes. having to gas up, fight some weird road gins, right? Some weird road demons. 
yeah, it was it was it was very strange, and you can tell there's like a very conflicting because you know they lost their director halfway through and they they replaced him. I can guess which part they lost him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is if you look into like the deep, like like oh I don't know, I'm losing my train of thought tonight a lot, but like there's like YouTube videos of people opening that game up with like the consoles and stuff and exploring. And they had that whole second continent that you only travel through on train. They had that all textured and like created. But you can't get there in the game because they didn't have time to like put NPCs or monsters mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so that was the original plan. But they, they cut probably 40% of that game out, which is why that second half feels so incredibly out of nowhere. Which is weird, because I normally think that's a good thing. Like, I, I really think that, like, if you have a game that you think is really, really kick-ass, you could probably lose, like, 10% of it, 15% of it, and make it even better, you know? Like, just just focus focus on what you do right so far. That's how I felt about Tales um, that came out last year, is that I was, I, I was playing through it, and I was like, this game could have been about 10 hours too, like, shorter. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually just started Tales because of your recommendation. Mm-hmm. I managed to get snag it on sale. It's very good. There were a whole bunch of games that I just slept through. Uh, wow, slept through, slipped through the cracks mm-hmm. uh, last year for me. Tales is one of them. Uh, Scarlet Nexus was another one. I need to play that. And then there were just a bunch of games that I forgot about when we were doing. This is like, I think, our first episode since Game of the Year stuff or mm-hmm. second episode since Game of the Year stuff. I completely forgot about Pokemon Snap. I completely forgot about Mario Golf. I completely forgot about Pokemon. I forgot about Skyward Sword. I forgot about so many games that came out last year. I for, I completely, even though it won Game of the Year, I forgot about It Takes Two. That game is fantastic. I like didn't even mention it once during Game of the Year stuff. Sorry, I was just, I was bringing it up because I know you wanted to talk about this, games we missed in 2021. Um, and you're right, like, there was a ton of games that came out that people just do not talk about. Um, it takes two is one of the games you brought up that I really do want to play, especially with my girlfriend. Cause I, that that's a completely co-op game, right? Yeah. That game's that game is fantastic. That it's, it's like one of the best, like made games I've ever played where it's just like, wow, everything is like so thoughtfully placed. You guys didn't wing anything. Everything is like so tightly designed. It, it's really impressive. Have you played Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation 2? No, was that Was that I'm pretty fairy? sure it's the same. Was I'm it, pretty sure code, it's the same fairy. Game. I can't find any information about it, but I'm pretty sure that is the same game that has been released like 18 times, right? Yeah, there was one called like Operation Fairy or something or like Battle Battle Code Fairy or something, and that is just Gundam Battle Operation but like with a campaign. But it's like a campaign. Remember like the original Star Wars Battlefront, like the original, original one on like mm-hmm. PlayStation 2, where like there was a campaign, but you were just playing the multiplayer maps and there was like a narrator saying, like, you have to wipe out the locals. Like it was just like you fighting Wookiees or whatever. Like it, it seems like a campaign, but it's like that, where it's like, okay, you're just playing multiplayer maps. You're just doing everything multiplayer by yourself. What else came out in 2021 that you didn't play that you wanted to? Uh Judgment 2, right? That one came out? I'm not familiar with that game, Judgment. Too. That's like, remember, so you know how like Yakuza became like a, a turn-based oh. RPG? Yes. Okay. Judgment was like the original style 
uh, Yakuza game. Speaking of Yakuza, Like a Dragon came out, a straight-up turn-based RPG, and I have not played it. That came out the year before on, like, last-gen consoles. Oh, it did? And so it came out to, like, Series X and PS5 oh, I see. this year. It's confusing. I see. Yes, I'm looking at the list. One game I owe Elijah. I need to play Doki Doki Literature Club. So like that Dude, one technically slipped. You owe me that one too because you all, you guys all said we could have a sit down conversation with it about all it. Right, all right, because right. that is a mind bending experience. Do you have a PC? It plays on my Mac, so I'll be able to to do it here. I'm not sure if it's the same. No, Hopefully. it's like it's the it's the free one from Steam. Uh, well, so the, I can't say it without spoiling. It. There's parts of that game that deal with a file system. And I I hope that it's the same on Mac as it is PC. Okay. That's the only thing I, I can say about it. Um, But I have a lot to say, especially considering my game development background about Doki Doki, because they do a lot of things in that game that you do not see anywhere else. So I don't know if you know anything about it. If you don't, don't look anything up about mm-hmm. Doki Doki Literature Club. But it is more than just a video game. And it is a video. Notice it was free originally, right? It's a yeah. it's a visual novel. It's a horror game. It is a promotion for his next game, all in one. And the way that game is set up is so ingenious that, like, I want this guy who made this game to get a ton of money and open his own studio. Because it was only made by one person. Oh, really? And, like, the the way this guy's mind must work in order to make this is absolutely insane. And I, I really want to know more about his history. I haven't, I haven't really looked at, into him too much. But Doki Doki is extremely good. And I really want us to all sit down and have a conversation about it. Because Elijah originally recommended it to me. And he was like, yo, this is exactly what you like. And I played... because. The game doesn't really pick up until like the first two hours you're in, mm-hmm. and it lures you into like a cell. Uh, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that either because okay. I, you, I cannot let you see the twist coming. All right, but but he was completely right. But I, I will tell you this: for the first two hours, I was sitting there like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a half hour into it, and I felt like all I did was like hit the space bar, just like move yeah. on to the next conversation. Well, like, it is right. a, it is a visual novel, um, but you yeah, need. But- Try and I've try read, and pay attention. Yeah, but I, like I've read good books, you know. Like I've I've read books that got to it a little sooner. It's it's my problem with Lord of the Rings, where I'm like, oh yeah, like I love Sir Fellowship of the Ring, except on page 120, they're still in the freaking Shire, so like that sucks. Oh, so you tried to read the Lord of the Rings books? Yeah, I read Fellowship. Hobbit was great. I thought Hobbit was awesome, uh, but Fellowship of the Ring was just so freaking slow. I wish there was a modernized version of it because I find them hard to read. Yeah. I, I know, like, I don't, I don't read a lot of novels, but I, I find the Lord of the Rings books, specifically in like The Hobbit as well, kind of like a difficult when you translate them to modern setting. It's kind of hard to get to. Yeah, that's fair. Also, I don't think you need to break into song every three pages. Like, that's that's just me. Like, I love, I love singing, but like, man, mm-hmm. maybe uh, move things along just, just like a little bit. Do you get into like the Lord of the Rings lore at all, like the Cimmerillion or anything like that? Uh, the Wikipedia page and the uh, the encyclopedia they made for like Tolkien. I, that's like one of the coolest books I ever read. It was like literally just going from entry to entry, reading about all these characters, their history. Like that thing's awesome. But uh, 
a similar it's so confusing it is so beyond yeah. like i need at least 18 diagrams open to like understand everything that they're talking about i really like the fact that someone can just watch the lord of the rings movies and be like those were that was a great series and just, and just close the chapter on that leave, right? leave it there <laughs> or <laughs> you can look into one wikipedia page and you're like gandalf's an angel <laughs> <laughs> And wait, so was Saruman? They're not even like humans. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is interesting. I just started. I finished Two Towers extended rewatch the other day. I just threw on Fellowship while I was doing like some housework, and then like within forty five minutes, finished like stopped doing housework and just watched Fellowship, and then did a uh, did the same thing with Two Towers, and now like I started. <laughs> started return of the king and good god man it's like four and a half hours so like i i'm gonna have yeah. to break that one up into a couple you know like one of the things that i do that's like a sin for for lord of the rings fans is i don't watch the extended versions when i watch them anymore i just watch the theatrical cut and i just didn't and i'm like you know what this is a nice two and a half hour experience i don't yeah. want any more than that because i fall asleep i fall asleep every yeah time. first time i showed it to leah she uh I only had the extended versions and I mm-hmm. felt so bad because it's just like, hey, hey, yeah, do you have 11 hours to watch three movies? And it's definitely like there's a reason that stuff was cut. Like, it's awesome for the super fans. Like, I'm really glad on like rainy days it's there. But man, like you sh- the first time you watch Lord of the Rings, it should not be the extended cuts. I agree. So I think me and Caitlin watched um, it was her first time this past year. And I think I showed her the three actual cut, too. I don't, I don't think we went through the extended cut. But she enjoyed them. She liked the Fellowship of the Ring um, the most, which I find to be uncommon. Yeah, that, I usually think that's like the weakest one. I think they get better as they go. Yeah. Eh, I, I think it peaks at Two Towers. I think Two Towers is just like a masterpiece. Return of the King. I feel like they just did a whole bunch of stuff that they already did in the Two Towers. You know what I mean? Like, like not even like yeah. actions. I'm just saying like like sim like similar story beats. Um, back on topic. Uh, yes. Yeah, Bravely, Bravely Default Two came out this year, or last year. And I was super excited for that. Didn't get it. Oh, completely forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is the one series that I think is carrying the spirit of Final Fantasy better than anyone else. Yeah, first one was really good. First one was super fun. That one felt like uh, like Final Fantasy Five. Yes, Final Fantasy Five is good. Have you played Final Fantasy Tactics at all? Uh, again, I tried to. Just so much reading. I like I basically turned my PSP into like a little JRPG machine. That was like mm-hmm. me trying to like force myself to like get into it. Cause like I think it's ridiculous that there's just like one large contingent of video games that I'm just like, yeah, I just don't really like it that much. I'm like, George, that's dumb. Like you, you gotta try more. Like yeah. find the one for you. Um so I am I am trying, but it's still a little a little slow going. See, it's it's hard for me to be non biased. I would recommend Chrono Trigger though, because it's a solid 20 hour experience and it's got pro- the best of all of the NES or not NES SNES and PS1 Final Fantasy yeah and it combines them all into like generally regarded as one of the greatest video games of all time yeah i'm really glad i bought that at GameStop before it became $800 on DS yeah that's the best version of it as well by the way do not Sweet. buy the PS1 version um kingdoms of Amor re-reckoning i did buy that but i haven't gotten too far into it because i think i love kings of Amor. um unfortunately yeah, it's, super, it's it's super fun <clears throat> unfortunately i don't know that we're gonna get any more of that series i would love well, to they, they announced new dlc for it 
it just came out. Apparently, it's really good. Who is? We should try to get one of the creators of Reckoning in an interview. I bet sick. we could do it. Like from Thirty Eight Studios, or no? Like, oh, one of the original game. developers. Yeah, dude. I bet you Probably. could I mean, talk. You live. Somebody. You live in the Northeast. I live in the Northeast. I'm sure. Like we're connected somehow to someone who worked there on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'll, you can look into it. Cause that 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 is something that I would love to talk to them about. What was your like original ambition and goals? And dude, because Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning is a super ambitious game for for the first <laughs> a first time game in a studio. Well, especially because like it came out. Like after Skyrim, right? Like that was a 2012 mm-hmm. game, and it was just like Skyrim, except like it worked, you know, <laughs> like like it, it it actually ran well. And so I remember getting super into it back then, and then getting really into it again on on PlayStation Four when it came out. On the, oh, on Ghosts the remaster. and Ghosts and Goblins. Did you uh, try that at all? No, I did not. I really wanted to. That was like one game I remember being super hyped for at the beginning of the year. But I think that came out like literally the same day I got a dog. So I was a little a little distracted. I'm super day. jealous you have a dog, by the way. I got two dogs. I know, dude. I had a dream the other night that I that I had a, I got a brand new dog and it was a really good dog and I got super attached to it. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, but you, you don't know. Maybe you're maybe that was just manifesting. Maybe you're going to get a dog pretty soon. Well, once we get a house, we're trying to move out of this apartment soon. So that's that's yes, cool. that was what did it for us getting a house and not having a landlord. That was pretty sick. Um, Only a few more games like uh, I really wish I got around to Metroid Dread. I wish I got around to Back for Blood. Mm-hmm. And I wish I checked out uh jet the far shore from super brothers because i really liked their sword and sorcery game on iphone like 10 years ago and alan wake remastered those are the ones like i I wish i got to check out so i did jump into alan wake this year because i played through control and i absolutely loved that experience which Mm -hmm. is funny do you remember um well it's probably last year about this time i was talking about just starting control and how much i hated it yeah and then like two weeks later i'm like this game is incredible yeah, you and Austin had like pretty similar trajectories on it. Yeah, but I think I we think both. Were, beat I think it. you were like th- you were like three weeks ahead of Austin in terms yeah. of like the the epiphany. Yeah, and we both beat it. And well, actually, no, we were we were we beat it the same day. And I remember being like on the podcast, this game is way too slow. The intro sucks, blah blah blah. blah. And then once I beat it, I was like, oh my god, this game is incredible. And I played through the DLC, and that was really good. So I jumped into Alan Wake Remastered. That's not aged well. That game is not. No. It's not aged well. No, I don't think so. Uh, <sighs> All right. Well, I think we're about to wrap up. Can I run something by you before we uh, before we wrap me. up? Unless I'm sorry. Are there any other games that you missed? I don't know. I don't know if there's any more games I've missed. If Austin would allow it, I would run this podcast for three hours. George. Yeah, that's kind of how I would do it too. make it a little bit more casual, have some more dumb segments in it. I would sit here and talk to you for three hours. Yeah, stupid Austin putting a stupid perfect foot down, <laughs> raining us in. All right. Uh, it's a new year. It is 2022. So I thought it'd be fun to look back at the top 10 selling video games of 2002, 20 years ago, just to see where we are now. Absolutely. All right. So number 10, NCAA football 2003. Remember that franchise? 
I was never a football video game fan. Surprisingly enough, I played football around that time and never played the games. I think it is like, I think anyone who's just like, oh, Madden, like casual fan, only, only casual fans play Madden. Like, you're an idiot. Those games are so hard to play. Like, it is so hard to be good at Madden. Um, The only football game I ever played was, uh, I think it was, was it Madden Street or NFL Street? NFL Street, yeah. Yeah, NFL Street. I played NFL Street on the PSP a lot. Yeah, that game, that game was fun. Yeah. I mean, the, all, all those street games were, were really good. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. That was 20 years ago. Wow. 2002, that game came out, huh? He's like in his 50s now. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Now, 4 isn't... A lot of people didn't play 4, I think, right? I played 4. 4 is the one I got really into. Like, I know like it had its heyday with 1 and 2. But 4 was like... Uh, 4 was on Xbox, the original Xbox. And so like that really helped me get into it. Now, 4 was... In my mind... Thinking back on it, my first reaction is four is in that weird spot between like three and underground, right? Yeah, like underground like before gone. before American Wasteland. Yeah, yeah. So I remember everyone was crazy about underground. I never played it though. Yeah, Thug Baby. That's what everyone was into. <laughs> uh, number eight, Gran Turismo Three A Spec. I never played Gran Turismo either. Yeah, I've only played the PSP one, which is why I'm like really excited for the PS5 one. But I, I was kind of underwhelmed by Forza Horizon 5 or whatever. Right? I was too. Austin loved it, but I was like, it's just four all over again. Yeah, and, and four, four really blew me away. Five, I thought I think it's like amazing, but like I just I have no interest in playing it. Honestly, I'd, I'd like rather go back to four and like finish. Yeah, I, I was like, then. man, this is this is just like four. And I already did all this, so I wasn't. It's it's great. I I agree with you though. Yeah. Really well made, just not made to keep my interest. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Super Mario Advance Two, Super Mario World, the uh, <sighs> SNES games making their appearance on GBA. I never played them on GBA, but I love those games on SNES. I, I never. Much. Yeah, I never had a Super Nintendo, so I don't actually get the love for Super Mario World. Like I would much rather play Super Mario Three. What really? Yeah. I mean, Three is great, but. World, I loved World, man. And um, it gets all complicated. I don't know how to pick up shells. I don't know how to like do like the weird spin things. Like whenever anyone was like doing levels in Mario Maker, I was always like confused why they would choose the SNES aesthetic. I just think like three is supremely better. But again, I didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up, so three is cool because I like the suit. What's the suit called? The the, the fox suit. The oh, the, the Tanuki. Tanuki, yeah. Number six, Super Mario Sunshine. Underrated oh, game. Oh yeah, it is underrated. It came out recently, not too long ago, like a re-release, right? Yeah, the 3D All Stars collection. Yeah, uh, it plays really well. It's just weird they had to like add a patch in to like let you play with like a GameCube controller, which I think is really funny. That wasn't available like at launch. Blows that my mind. Odd. That is odd. Number five, Medal of Honor Frontline. That's a good one. I did play that because I had co-op. Yeah. That one's fine. Airborne is trash. Airborne is so bad. But Frontline is good. I remember Airborne. I think that was like the first one to come to 360? I think. I don't know. That was like back in the day where like you basically had like straight PC port controls where like, you know, like the right bumper would be like to aim up or whatever, mm -hmm. like tilt up. And it's yeah. just 
it's amazing how far we've come in terms of or like, like or like the controls. bumpers would control the camera. Remember that? Yeah. Oh that god, sucks. it's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't do that anymore. Uh number four, Spider Man the movie. Which one the first one? Yeah. Two thousand two? Yeah. I thought were the games like severely delayed behind the movies? Because I thought movie, Spider-Man movie. three. No, oh, I guess two thousand two is right. Okay. Yeah, because Spider-Man f- two was two thousand four. When are you gonna watch No Way Home, George? Um, when it comes to some kind of streaming service. I'm waiting. I, I'm I'm waiting. Every, every I like. Time. I checked my local theater. They're like not even showing movies anymore. So I'm like, oh well, okay, missed it. Living in Maine is great. Uh, number three, Grand Theft Auto three. Oh, one classic. one year after, classic man. I love GTA three. Cannot go back to it though. It's one of those games you just can't go back. I never got into three. Like I, a friend had three, and by the time I was allowed to like get GTA, uh, Vice City had just come out. So I just jumped into that one, and I think it is easily superior. If I could have a sidebar for like one second, please, yeah. Um, in this around this era, this time, my best friend, his family owned a video store, so I would get free rentals. I would just go there and I'd be able to rent whatever games they had, and they had like, for instance, like Medal of Honor. They had all the GTA games and whatnot. So I spent a large majority of my PS2 years playing like the GTA games, and I don't think one time I ever did the campaigns. I got to the point where it was opening up and I would use all the cheat codes and just go on a rampage and murder as yeah. many people as possible. <laughs> yeah, that was what I did at uh, at a friend's house with three. And like, I never made it to the second island in three until like maybe two years ago. You telling me that is news to me. I never knew there was a second island. I think there's three in the first one. I had no idea. Yeah. And so uh, I, I really committed to, to Vice City. That was the one that, that got me hooked. So it was San Andreas for me. I, love uh, see, I, I thought it was too big. I thought it was too, a little too unwieldy. Uh, number two on the list, Madden NFL 2003. No surprise there. This wasn't the $20 one. That was uh, ESPN 2K5. That was like the $20 game that came out to like mm-hmm. really compete with Madden. And that like forced EA to like get an exclusivity deal on the license, which like I, I wonder how much longer that's going to be around. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, at number one, probably for Grand, Theft, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. The best what? GTA game. The same yep. year? Uh, no, GTA wow. 3 came out the year before, but it was still number three selling of the next year. Oh, I see. I see. That makes sense. And then Vice City came out the next this year in 2002. That makes sense. So there you have it. The top 10 selling games. What was your go-to thing in Vice City? What do you mean go-to thing? Like, what did you do? Like, what was your favorite thing to do in Vice City? Mine was always to get the katana and then go to the mall and chop people's heads off. Oh, mine was always to go to the second island on like a on a motorcycle and do like that giant staircase ramp. Mm-hmm. That one was always good. That or go onto the second island and just kill gangsters around the uh, the cab business you had, or just go to my island, Starfish Island, and just kill my own gangsters and just rob them for money. To be honest, I can see why there would be controversy around Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> oh, yeah? Because, <laughs> like, as a kid, I was doing nothing but, like, murdering strippers and, like, parking my burning car in front of the mall so people couldn't get out and murdering all of them as they ran. 
Like mm-hmm. it was, I was, I was pretty sadistic with, with Grand Theft Auto. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And then I, uh, around that time, I actually saw Scarface for the first time. And so like slowly realizing that like Vice City was just Scarface, the video game that really got me hooked. Did you um, play GTA five at all? I got through like two thirds of the campaign, I think. And then I just like, I was like, oh, I got to save this. And then that was like seven years ago. I just never went back to it. I tried going back. I just really don't like how I don't like how four plays. I don't like how five plays. I liked Red Dead Redemption one and two. I like how those like felt, but I just could not get into later GTAs. I'm hoping that in the next release that Rockstar has that they make the I don't like how floaty they are. Nothing feels like it has weight in that game. But I will say one of my favorite gaming memories, and I wish Austin and Elijah were here to talk about this, was when GTA Online came out. Me, Austin, Elijah, and our friend Blake, we had like a static group, and we were going through all the um, heists. And I remember them being extremely hard. Like they, They were not easy to go through, and we had to do them like 500 times. But we got to one. I free, and it was like you had to break into like some some like veterinary clinic or something like that. I forget what it was, but we were just like on point, and we got through it our first time, and it was like a really really amazing experience. But I just, I'll never forget playing through GTA Online with um with those guys, and I remember at one point like Elijah got really mad, and like rage quit, and then I had to call him and be like, "Hey man, come on, get back in here." Like, I'm sorry, we were just messing with you, because. Every time, because like every time something will go wrong, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, Elijah," you know, just like like jokingly blame it on him. But eventually, he got sick of it. And, but have you ever seen a movie called Heat? No, I don't think so. Okay, it's it was made in ninety five, ninety six, and it was directed by Michael Mann, who I think is like one of the best directors of all time. And it's just a bank robbery movie. It's got like Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer. It's incredible, and like. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, I need to play GTA five. I need to like go through these heists with my buddies. You got to assemble the crew. Yeah. And then nothing ever comes of it because it's just it. The older you get, the harder it gets just to, like actually organize that stuff, man. I, I'm really glad about like when I came up in terms of like pop culture, in terms of mm-hmm. technology. I, like, I think I grew up in like the coolest era ever. But like, man, God, it would be so tight to have had a PS4 in high school. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree. And dude, like, you know where I feel that most is with D and D, because it is impossible to get like a static D and D group with me right now. And like, the thing is, is that a couple of my friends they want, they're like, oh, you know, we we should get back together for D and D. And I'm like, I have started two campaigns with you guys as a dungeon master, and after one session each, everyone dropped out. Yeah, it's like I don't feel like putting all that effort into DMing like a custom world, and then having everyone just dip after one session. No, I had friends ask me to do it, and I, I like outlined a campaign. I've never been a DM before, so I was like, "Yeah, I'd like to try this out, just see what's up." And I like outlined it, and I'm like, "George, what are you doing? Like, no one's gonna come. Like, there's one friend in this group who will come every single week, but he's mm-hmm. also like the busiest person. He's got like a wife, he's got a house, works at a school." So I'm like, he would show up because he knows how important it is to show up every single week. But like everyone else is like still single, like still going out to like bars and like drinking. And uh, so like, I know they're not going to make it every week. Like they're just not going to. Yep. That is soul crushing, too, because you, you put so much effort into be like, all right, here's what we're going to do this session and 
all the possibilities. I had it all written out. I had like the, this giant world in history. Don't know. I thought I, I was like acting like I was like freaking Tolkien or something. You know, I had like mm. a thousand years of history wrote up about this yeah. world, and then <laughs> everything just fell. It falls apart after one session. You're like, oh my god, it sucks, man. But well, I, to anyone who, to anyone who hasn't done it, like imagine like spending all day like cleaning your house and like going to the grocery store, getting everyone's favorite food. Yeah, cooking it, like cleaning your house meticulously, ordering like a pay per view boxing match or what, like a movie, whatever, and then being like, "Oh no, no, like this isn't right." Hold on. Then you go out, you upgrade your TV, you get a sound bar, like you do <laughs> all this stuff, like you're just fashioning the perfect experience for people. You're mm-hmm. like, they're gonna love this, and then like they come over and they're like, "Oh great, man, this this looks awesome." They hang out for ten minutes and they're like, "Oh, I gotta go make a phone call," and they just go into their car. And they just they just never come back. Like that's what it's like setting all yep. this stuff up just to have someone abandon it. Where you just invested so much of yourself trying to set up the perfect thing for them, and they just don't care. They just they just don't care. And I get it because like life is really complicated right now. It's super scary. It's weird. Like, are we all gonna die soon? I don't know. Like, I probably want to have more fun if we are. Yeah. I don't know if D and D is like the most immediate answer. I kind of just want to like go out and get rocked. You know. <laughs> um. See, my thing is, dude, is that. I know a lot of people are like, oh, just find like a group online. It's not the same. I I, I just don't find like digital D&D. It, it's not the same experience as being at a table with like four or five of your buddies and just being there, you know? I, I, I disagree. I like the digital D&D with your buddies, though. Like so many of us moved out of San Francisco like around the same time. So like I had a group of like eight people from San Francisco. And we met up for like nine months straight. I think we had to reschedule once, but like we pushed it back a day, not like a week. We just met up on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. And we just did every week and we were going through, was it uh, Roll20, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the map editor and we were doing that and then D&D Beyond doing all this stuff. And we're like really making it work because it was, you know, May of the pandemic in 2020. So we're just like, well, what else are we supposed to do? And we got super into it. and then someone got a job in England and then that screwed everything up. And then people thought it was kind of weird to do it without him. And then we were like, okay, but like, how do we end it? And then we like organized like the most epic D and D battle where like we had to defend a dwarven city from like a orcish invasion. Mm-hmm. And it, he like turned it into like a, Oh God, what's it called? Like a, a tower defense game where like we had like an allotment of money. We were able to like buy defenses and like we had a plan and we were just like, okay, what would Hannibal have done? Like back in, back in the year, uh, like, you know, 200 BC, like what, what was he up to or 180? What was he up to? And like, it was just like Epic. And then we're like, Oh man, that was so much fun. And then we just like never played again. Yeah. Have you ever watched that documentary by the guy who's had the single campaign going for like 30 years? No, but that sounds beautiful. Yeah, that sounds it's, incredible. It's like a great camp. It's like a great documentary. But on that note, I suppose we will wrap things up. George, thank you for sitting in with me this week. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure. Always, always happy. Yep. Talking, talking to myself. Yep. Shooting the crap. <laughs> Shoot, shooting the breeze. I think shooting is, the uh, breeze. Yeah. The Austin appropriate way to say it. Breaking yeah. wind. <laughs> left and right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh thank you guys for joining us listening from home you can follow us on twitter at Pod. remember to like us and review us on your podcatcher of choice and write in with your questions at bit.ly slash 
frame skip pod. No, that's not right. Frame frame skip. Frame skip Q. Yeah, frame skip Q. That's or or just on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, that's fine too. We'll probably see it more directly on Twitter. Um, Well, I don't know because I don't think anyone's managing our Twitter account anymore ever since Coach deleted it. Eh, I think Austin might be. I'm on Twitter at Seth S Taylor. George is at. Purplebird616. I wasn't sure which one you toted on Twitter. Trying to grow my, my brand. Trying follow to get him. Box summary. Yeah. Not me. Because I don't want people to follow him. I talk way more about comic books of 2004 than Seth does, probably. I don't want to say that immediately, but probably. I would, I really, I want to be on your podcast one of these days. We, we got to get on. We were planning it for years. And... I got a lot to talk about, especially with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's the only one I really follow for a long period of time. I figured you'd want to talk Spider-Man. Is that a raccoon or is that a cat? That's a that cat, is my right? cat. That's my huge cat. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll work you in there. Um, a couple Spider-Man stories I do really want to talk about, so we'll get that on there. I was just talking about like the the greater Marvel thread, so like I don't know how much I'm going to talk about them after Civil War, you know? Because it's like, do I really want to cover all that like one more day stuff? No. I actually like that. I actually like that story, but like he's just so off center of like the Marvel universe after that. He's just kind of like doing his own thing. So I'm just like, oh, well, I don't actually have to to cover this. Yeah. And that's that's there. Dude, there hasn't been a solid Spider-Man series for. 15 years. There just hasn't. I thought when Dan Spen- or when Nick Spencer took over, it was going to get a lot better. And it did for a little bit and then it just fell off again. I don't know. what they're, I don't know what Marvel's doing. I don't like any of the modern comics. I like a bunch of their modern comics. I still I'm like 40 issues behind on Spider-Man. I'm like up to like issue 35. I think their current Captain Marvel book is awesome. I think their current Iron Man book is the best Iron Man's been in like 10 years. I really like Black Cat. I really like Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman, I, I think, Black is Cat. probably like my favorite book they're doing right now. It's just um, insane. Eternals, I think, is like a little slow, but like showing a lot of like really good promise. Thor is awesome. I really like. Donny Cates. I didn't think I would like a book. I didn't think I'd like Thor as much after. Donny uh, Cates is amazing. Yeah, he's he's incredible. I read his Venom run and I thought that was really good. Now, I what I think actually happened is I think my Spider-Man was my anchor to like the Marvel Universe and comics. Mm-hmm. And when I gave up on Spider-Man books being good, I was I, I, I lost that anchor to all of those. Because there was a time and period like 2013, 2014 where I read everything. Yeah, but that fell off when Spider-Man started getting really bad. Cause I don't know if, are you reading the modern Spider-Man series? Yeah, I'm uh, I still get my book shipped out from San Francisco, but I'm a little behind there. So I've been doing everything on Marvel unlimited. And so like, I'm three months behind on that, but it's kind of nice having like, a little, like little 70, book buffer. It's like 75 issues of who is that. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Got my head. The, the main the main overarching villain is like who is this and then it turns out who it is oh yeah it's like okay you didn't need 75 issues 20 would have been fine all that i saw that i saw in like a news story and this is what made me want to like go back and actually catch up on it uh they actually like undid sins past or whatever like that norman osborne story with mm-hmm. with gwen stacy so i'm interested to see because like that norman osborne gwen stacy story is like the era of Marvel I'm talking about right now so like I, I think it's really interesting that like they just undid something from 17 years ago so I do want to check it out but I'm just reading so much stuff for the podcast that it's like kind of hard to keep up with modern stuff because I'm reading so much stuff from you know 15 years ago well you're in what I would consider like a second golden era but we'll talk about that after the show 
Thank you guys for yeah. listening so much. And until next time, take care. Smooch. <laughs>